Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Terra Incognita, the adventure podcast and the Rorima Expedition special features. You know, Rorima is where Arthur Conan Doyle's famous book, The Lost Worlds, is set. And you can totally imagine a dinosaur appearing. A remote location expedition is an exceptionally complex thing to organize and run. The prow is like the feature of the wall, just like... Only 3% of the Earth's surface is covered in rainforest. Uh, it's one of those trips that doesn't, doesn't kind of seem real. I've never done a big wall before and I've always kind of wanted to, but it's like finding a decent partner or team. In conversation, I only catch about half the words. <laughs> I'm not sure if I understand the Guyanese or the British better. <laughs> I've just been worrying about the snakes and the anacondas and the river crossings. And I'm kind of looking forward to it being hard in a way, just like a bit of an endurance test and see how I do. There are so few areas in the world like this forest that we're going into. Like my whole life in a way has been moving towards being able to do expeditions such as these. Welcome to Terra Incognita, the adventure podcast, and the sixth and penultimate episode in our Mount Rorima expedition series. This episode is a conversation with Waldo, Wilson and Leo, all cut together uh, from the summit of Mount Rorima. It wasn't the perfect place to record podcasts, and actually um, I topped out with Leo and Wilson uh, after dark, and we had to haul the rest of the bags to the summit um, and then carry everything across to the camp that the other guys had made about 200 meters away. We got lost traveling there in the dead of night. Um, head torch light was useless because it was so misty and so rainy and we were falling into little ditches up to our waists. So it wasn't the perfect way to end the expedition or to get to the summit. Um, I was determined to get podcasts recorded both to get something online, but also to have the interviews ready for the film that we're making and and I knew they weren't going to happen that night, so I had to wait until the next morning. Now, there was every chance the helicopter was going to have to arrive at 8am, so I was very nervously trying to get everything done in the morning, as Leo, Waldo and Wilson were actually staying on the summit to guide a private client back down the mountain after Anna, Dan and I had left. So anyway, I had uh, 10 or 15 minutes with each of them to quickly chat through their experiences on the wall and what they'd made of the trip. Can you describe where we are and what it looks like and describe the scene around you? So we are, <clears throat> we're at our uh, base camp on the top of Mount Roraima. Got here pretty late last night. Um, Waldo and Leo, and I, Waldo, Leo and I have been up here 
the last two days, so we got to see what it was like, but last night it was like we arrived and you couldn't see five feet in front of you with the headlamp on. Uh, it was just so misty. Um, the surface up here is like another planet. It's unreal. I feel like I've just like gotten on a rocket ship and blasted into space and ended up here. Um, it's very rocky. It's like kind of like just a big rock slab. There's all these like craters and canyons and wild rock formations. It's soaking wet up here. Everything's wet. It's like playing a video game to like try and get a hundred feet without getting your feet wet. Um, yeah, it's like another world up here. It's insane. It's these little tiny like black frogs that I think are endemic to here. Like they don't exist anywhere else but here. They're just everywhere and they blend in. They've like they've evolved like mimic the rocks so even when you like turn them over like cause these rocks have been sitting here for thousands of years on the bottom side they're like orange but on the top they're just totally like blacked over and the frogs have like evolved to mimic those so they have these little like orange bellies under them when you flip them over it's like yeah the place is just wild it's like insane right then Waldo right can you describe where we are what it's like and what your morning's been like we are on the summit of Mount Roraima. It looks like another planet right now. Even when the sun's out, it just looks like this total lunar, crazy landscape. And it's, it's pretty untouched on the scale of things. Uh, it's a privilege to be here. Um, we topped out pretty late last night after an epic haul, but we got everybody and everything to the summit. Um, and it was remarkably uneventful. Everything went really smoothly. Um, good team, really good day. Uh, this morning, I woke up and decided to go for a wash. Ended up jump, jumping into a puddle naked, getting really cold and then not being able to wash the soap off because none of the puddles are deep enough. So I spent about half an hour hopping out, hopping around between these pools covered in soap. <laughs> yeah, so now I'm a bit bit chilly and, uh, and wet, but clean and pretty happy to be on the summit. <laughs> Yesterday was a big day. Uh, we were all down on the invisible ledge having had quite a lot of bad weather things were getting a bit damp uh, and thankfully yesterday we had a fine day finally and waldo expertly oversaw troy edward coming up and anna and dan went up as well and then wilson and i had some unfinished business i uh, the big pitch right through the roofs on the main wall that i fell off two feet from the end of on the on-site went back and did that again properly which was scary um, but we got it done and then the one section that was wet um, I wanted to try and do some some stuff on that so I did that on the top rope uh, so and then we had to haul all the gear up here so it, we didn't go up here till like nine o'clock um, whereas these guys were up here at four o'clock for the sunset which was nice uh, but we got everything up here, we're on the top, we've got a safe camp here. We got everyone up here, basically everything's gone pretty well according to plan. It's the 5th of December, which is the day the helicopter's due to arrive. It was fine very early this morning, but unfortunately it's clagged in a bit now, which is a concern, but there's nothing we can do. We've got food for another couple of days, so... Um, but other than that, so brilliant. It's so cool that Troy and Edward joined us, bumping into Edward on that first day. He was obviously interested in how it all came together. And then Troy being sat on the 
look out watching our stuff land with the parachutes high risk foundation throwing the stuff in with parachutes but it all worked and we've used almost everything we brought we had sufficient food to hook up the porters just about um yeah brilliant really absolutely amazing somewhere i've always dreamed of coming hard work to get here a real process but the climbing up that prow to basically on-site free climb the prow of mount roraima that was the idea behind this project and uh we've done it yeah yeah a lot of work <laughs> sweet and we'll talk about <clears throat> topping out and hauling and stuff in a minute but from the moment we topped out with the haul loads can you describe the journey from the edge of the wall to base camp yeah so last night after you topped out got the, the their massive bags up um and it was like, so socked in with mist and fog and couldn't see anything and the bags aren't heavy aren't light enough to all to pick up with one person so kind of got to get in a like little train and we had three people on a bag and Waldo who knows this place really well up here somehow um was guiding us but he can only see like five feet so you're just constantly like stepping in holes of water and just yeah it was a struggle just to get from the top of the wall to here which is only like it's probably the length of a football field <laughs> but it felt like miles <laughs> well can you describe that journey from where we got the bags to the top to the, this camp here so yeah you haul the bags up to this like free hanging spot and then we had to tag them one at a time like around this really exposed corner these big heavy haul bags get them round into this cave it was dripping and windy and uh <clears throat> and then we had to tie them on one at a time to a rope i climbed up to near the summit you kind of go over all these big overhangs and these lips and these big vegetated bulging like balls of grass and, and and all these plants that you're seeing around um and every time the bag would just get wedged into that so you have to clip onto the anchor and shunt it out with all your might and get it past it and haul it up so it was just brute force and ignorance really at that last bit but there was no other way around it and sometimes that's the most efficient way to go just get it done and then wet feet shins and knees mm. to get it all over here oh yeah so the top of this place is incredibly easy to get lost in um and most of it's just a total bog really marshy pools and slime and, and mud everywhere um and there's a kind of a dry route that we took from the summit to here the first time but at night when you turn your head torch on and the visibility goes to about one foot in front of your face it's pretty easy to get lost and we ended up just wading through the marsh with all the haul bags last night which was the final push um but everybody all hands on deck everybody got involved and uh and we we got them over here we we're pretty beasted and pretty tired by the time we got to camp but um big big feeling of relief and and happiness i think and can you describe the client or first of all can you describe invisible ledge invisible ledge is like if a big wall climber were to design a ledge and could like come up with the ultimate ledge in their head it would be invisible ledge um yeah invisible ledge i think might be one of my favorite places in the world <laughs> invisible ledge camp is you know i saw a photo um, i saw a photo of the prow of Rhymer and you could see from above this really distinctive ledge about halfway up and i thought wow wouldn't it be cool to climb up there and climb from there and sure enough there it was and it's invisible from below you totally can't see it 
no inkling of it and I pulled up onto it a week or so ago and boom there it was and then we've just had an awesome camp there we put a few bolts in to make it sweet eight people on a wall is ridiculous you know to find a ledge on a wall that steep where you can fit eight people um, and sleep them is unheard of but we managed to set it up so everyone was comfortable and safe uh, so yeah invisible ledge camp is awesome you couldn't imagine a more powerful spot right on the prow of Orion, but a big flat ledge, thousand foot drop below you, thousand foot drop above you, the prow just spilling out below you into this vastness. It's just incredible. It's in the cloud a lot of the time, but when it's out the cloud, it's just, and then the way the ropes come up into space out there, the whole line, the bags were like 20 meters away. Um, but we managed to find a line, the line, that snakes through these giant roofs. Um, we bottlenecks and traverses and uh, stayed dry through all this bad weather because of the steepness. And, uh, and we found a way, probably goes at like E6, British grade, which isn't super hard by modern standards, but climbing it in that way, just coming into the unknown with the tarantulas and the dirt and the wetness but to be able to do it through these conditions is just unheard of. I can't think of another cliff in the world that you'd be able to climb in torrential rain. <laughs> Most of the wall went on site free right away. There was one, one pitch down low that we aided the old bolt ladder, um, which is a pitch Anna worked on freeing. And from there on, everything, everything else Leo and I led went on site until we got to the very, very top. And Leo got, he got the lead on this. It was like the final moves before you kind of come up this steep headwall. And then it was the last pitch of that headwall. And you kind of pull up on this like ledge, these like this terrace of ledge covered in bromeliads and vegetation. And it's like the wall goes from super clean, amazing steep to just like gnarly. You're back in the jungle. And he put up a, battle man like it was like a three hour long battle for and he killed it he fought really hard to get up to the very end and then just right at the last four feet he ended up giving in and taking a fall um so yesterday was our chance to go back and free that pitch red properly red point that pitch and everything that hadn't been properly red pointed and um went amazingly well yesterday and Leo led that pitch. I followed it. We both did it. Um, yeah, and the route goes free. It's free route right up the Prow of Rima that went like 95% on site. Um, did you expect it to go free? Um, I expected it to go free, but I didn't expect it to go on site. For us to be able to on site as much of it as we did. Um, looking at it from the ground, it's like really steep you like crank your head back um when you hang when you have like a line that shows what's plumb hanging from down from every pitch it's like you really see how steep the thing is and it's like insanely steep but yeah there's all these just magical horizontal breaks and it's like it's like the rocks meant to be climbed um they're really amazing so and now have you found the climbing from invisible ledge to the top yeah so after invisible ledge the climbing like kind of really turns on um well there's the the 
bolt ladder pitch below that's definitely real but after that it's like kicks back it's steep it's bold it's like you really have to mitigate loose rock um gets in your face the pitches are endurancy they don't shut off there's not as many rests it's like they're kind of long and wandery so you really have to like it's been big learning experience for me learning from leo about like double ropes and you know leo's kind of one of the greatest on-site big wall free climbers ever um so it's been a really incredible experience for me to tie into the other rope with him like follow him up and learn from him and um yeah really cool how does this compare to what you normally do um it's i mean we're out here we are so far out here um like when you really stop and think about like how far out like if i fell and broke a leg right now it's like full-on helicopter rescue hopefully they can get in but 75 percent of the time we're socked in into a ping pong ball like and the helicopter may not be able to get in you're in the middle of a wall in the jungle you have to get down it's just like it's so remote we're so out here um yeah so in that way it's like quite a bit different than what i normally do um and how's the weather been uh so the weather been, it's been absolutely shit hey there it's michelle norris i'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when i travel i'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when i'm not at home and one of the things i love to do when i am at home is entertain and airbnb allows me to do that when i was in california recently i rented a house that had a great kitchen and when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house someone could be in all of our homes as well if you have a home but you're not always at home you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host um <laughs> it the weather's been horrible um we got to her base camp and it kind of socked in and we were like whoa what are we gonna do um, we just pushed on and pushed on, got to the base of the wall and found that the wall was so steep that a lot of it doesn't get wet. Um, there definitely were some parts that were wet, but most of the wall is sweet. Um, invisible ledge stays pretty well dry unless it really starts to hammer down. The weather's been gnarly, but we've made it work. The weather over the past four or five days has varied from some of the best weather we've had in the latter part of the trip to some of the worst. When we were up here two days ago, it was just uh, So, um, yeah, we haven't been that lucky with the weather. The weather was amazing for the walking, which was important to break us into jungle life. And then the day we arrived in base camp, it started raining. We had that full-on mud fest, but we pushed on through. Uh, and then we've had a few good days, basically. Uh, which we've made the most of and yesterday we we got so much done we really wrapped up a lot of loose ends we free climbed the whole wall from the bottom to the top and we got everyone up here safely we got all the stuff up here we just need to pray for this cloud to lift in the next couple of hours and everyone can get out of here <laughs>
Yeah, sweet. And how have the team been? It's been an excellent crew. You can't pull a project off like this without the right kind of people on board. And everyone, without exception, has totally pulled their weight. Everyone's kicked in. It's like, oh man, we've just had so much stuff to move around. Um, and there's obviously the physical skill side of being able to do stuff, but a lot of it's just attitude, especially when the weather's bad. Just get in sight to grin and bear it and get on with the task and try and st stick to some sort of plan and and not despair and not lose motivation. There's no such thing as bad weather, there's just lack of motivation. And sometimes when you're thrown into it, you've got no choice. It's the same at home in the lake, it's getting out with the kids. When you, once you're out, it's quite fun. But yes, yeah, trying to stay on top of everything, stay dry, it's it's a challenge. Um, but then when the weather does get nice straight away, you're like, oh, this is way more chill. This is why we do it. <laughs> yeah. And how's Anna got on, generally? Anna's done fantastically well, considering how green she is getting dropped in at such a level of depth. She's uh, really, she's learnt so much in the last month. And, you know, the fact that she managed to find that perfect little pitch which was also the hardest moves of the entire route. It's absolutely great. She's pulled her weight in every way. She's done really well with the cooking, which is a massive thing because it takes time and it's faff and, and I'm always busy thinking through what's happening. Uh, yeah, so I think it was tough. It was, we knew it was going to be tough and it was. Uh, we could have done with a week or two of sunny weather. <laughs> Um, but that pitch she led was one of the finest. It was the best rock of the route and the hardest moves of the route. It's absolutely perfect. And I think it was just the right level of difficulty to really challenge her, but not to like grind her down too much. Um, so we all got to share some lead in. And Wilson too, man. L Wilson led some gnarly pitches up there. And the logistics of moving all the rope and rack and all this stuff. Um, we've worked incredibly well as a team. And Waldo's hauling is second to none he's hauled probably three quarters of everything himself more um which is very impressive his jumaring ability he's the fastest jumaring in the west i've been practicing the whole time i've had a lot of time to practice and i still he's just got this fuck it's impressive oh the whole the whole went really well um me and lou have done enough trips together to know that I work really well when I get an idea in my head and Leo just lets me have it. Um, so yesterday we reached a, a good staging post where he wanted to get the bags up to. Um, and it wasn't straightforward, but we did have a power drill. Um, so we basically had to bend the rigging around the corner and up to the staging post <clears throat> to get our free hanging hull point. Um, and it worked really well. We set everything up on releasable radium release hitches. Uh, we had one knot to pass through the entire system. Um, and it worked like clockwork, really. Um, a lot of planning, a lot of preparation, a lot of chatting through everything that's going to happen. Um, and by the time we set off, everybody was on the same page. Everybody knew exactly what was going to happen, when, how, who was doing what. Um, and I like working like that. Um, and it was really satisfying, really satisfying. I started off on a, on a compound nine to one, got the bags moving. Um, and GV Danny Dyer Howard, uh, came and gave me a hand um, and eventually we had four of us just on a one-to-one -one. Um, we got the bags up pretty rapidly on the scale of things um, and then just the, the last bit was was a bit of a push it was really late we were really cold 
Leo just freed the final pitch with Willie Bob, got to the top, those guys were wrecked. I'd been hauling most of the day. We still had another like 40 meters of the, the quadruple bag load to haul up to the staging post. And then we had another 30 meters of this like edgy, lippy terrain that we had to shift all the bags over, which was a bit of a killer that late at night, but, um, but we did it. Cool, and can you describe yesterday, how was it for you? Um, yesterday for me, it was awesome. Um, Troy and Edward really responded well to the whole chilled vibe, staying calm and steady and moving at a really slow pace, um, or a steady pace rather. Um, and it was a real privilege to be able to work our way up the wall bit by bit with those guys getting higher and higher and um, getting them sorted at belays, making sure they're clipped on correctly and then just leaving them there, sailing out into the mist, looking down and seeing them on these little ledges. And uh, yeah, it was a really cool thing just just seeing their reactions as we got higher and higher and seeing their energy increase and the realization that they were gonna make it to the summit. Um, and for me, that's been a really incredible journey, like having those guys along, um, getting, a, getting a feel for their perspective on the world. They're from such a different culture. Um, and I think their values are intrinsically linked to this landscape and, and this country and this place. Um, and I think their connection with the world around them is something that we coming from such a built up, busy, hectic, urban life can learn a lot from. How have Troy and Edward been? Troy and Edward are amazing characters, yeah. Since we first met that we've really bonded. Their English is good and um, how quickly they took to Juma and Waldo's a really good teacher and it is very sequential, you know, Carabina, this is how it works. Juma, this is how it clamps the rope, and everything just has to be done in the right order. And yeah, they Jumaed up to Transfer Terrace one day, that was basically their tutoring lesson, came down, came up to Invisible Ledge a day later, and then a few days after that went up one of the most wild Jumaers you can possibly imagine. I've done a lot of Jumaing in a lot of wild places, and that is equally as wild as any of them, right up on that proud just doosh, in the sky and every one of them is completely free hanging like a spider on a web just uh, and Anna too you know she's hardly done any of it before that's her first thing she's ever jumad and when she lowered off the ledge yesterday morning and it's a bit complicated when you're lowering out there's a few things going on and then she got really into it she was loving it it's about as wild as it gets we are so far away from everywhere and in this incredibly exposed position I love that stuff Really enjoyed it. Traveling with Troy and Edward, the Tamar Indians, it's been one of my favorite parts of the trip. I've learned so much from those guys and kind of gained this different perspective from the way they live and just like the simplicity and how pure their lifestyle is and like how they don't, you know, they don't have all these like first world things that we have that cause problems that also cause create solutions, but they don't have that and they're they're totally they're not tainted by that at all. Um, so it's this really cool look into like just a different, totally different lifestyle that you can't get in the first world anymore. I think it's amazing that we brought them up here. Um, it's so different. Normally on an expedition, you know, you when you have porters, you kind of have they just they're there to carry your stuff, and you you pay them and they bring your stuff to the base of the wall and then they leave. But this is a really cool situation cool situation that um we were able to kind of like involve them or not kind of like totally involve them like they were totally immersed 
with us and um it's so different it's so cool to be able to like go into their backyard like this is their territory this is like we're coming to their place and to be able to take them up this mountain that they consider sacred that's totally sacred to them and has been in their backyard their entire lives that they've just looked up at and uh these guys are they're totally amped for it they really wanted to go they said they had the mind for it right away now they're up here and it's i think it's really awesome are you proud of bringing them up here? Yeah, I'm very proud. I'm proud of everybody. I'm proud of the whole expedition. I'm proud of the project. Um, I think from the get-go, we've had a really good attitude, um, and it's been a very considerate expedition. We haven't just waded in here and wanted just to summit the mountain regardless of, of anything else. Um, we've taken into account the, the well-being and the, the uh, enjoyment level of everybody involved all the guys all the porters all of us um everybody's really looked out for each other um we've made an absolutely incredibly bold climb right up the front right up the prow of mount Roma, um which is just next level like when we started talking about this project that was kind of the most far-fetched best case scenario that we could just go straight for the prow um and in the back of my mind i thought that was pretty unrealistic being a couple of routes either side it seemed unlikely that we could sneak one into the middle but we did we, we found the line um we spotted it, the invisible ledge in a photograph that i took last year from a helicopter um so that was kind of a, a mark a waypoint for us and we kind of headed there and we found it and from there the line just just took us up right at the center of the prow um so regarding the nature of the expedition the way it's being conducted the success i'm incredibly proud of everybody and everything that we've achieved and i'm sure you'll get what i mean by this but <coughs> when we're gone when we leave what happens here to the rainforest and the people and edward and troy so edward and troy are going to be going back to philippi um they're probably going to be called liars for the rest of their lives because i don't think anyone's going to believe what they've just done um and yeah and everything else will continue as it has done for hundreds of years here um i think dipping into this dipping into this culture and and being able to spend time with edward and troy and and, and the guys here um has been a real privilege and a real eye-opener um and it's very nice to be reminded that not everybody lives life like we do that might be the helicopter um yeah it's just nice to be reminded and shown that these cultures still exist and they work and it's an incredibly balanced way of life. And aside from the obvious concerns about helicopters not arriving in the next half an hour, how are you feeling about this expedition being over? Um, mixed feelings really. On one hand, I'm really glad it's done and I can't believe that we've squeaked it and we've pulled off what we have. Um, and I'm really happy that we've done what we've done and that now it's it's in the bag equally I, I like this place i like the mud i like waking up and having to put wet socks on and just being in the thick of it um so i'm going to miss that and in the background you can hear leo trying to drastically quickly finalize everything and finish camp off because we are expecting the heli pickup in half an hour we are and actually the sun is coming out it looks like the mist might be burning off <sighs> sunshine Fingers crossed. But yeah, all in all, what an incredible expedition. Like really a life achievement. I'm super happy, super proud.
stoked on the whole thing. Well, I think this is the first of all the big trips I've done where everything's gone according to plan and we've completely achieved our objective of free climbing a new route on a big wall in a remote location. And it nearly went down on site. That's just the best thing ever. That's what we, that's what it's all about. That's what we've been aiming for. And then lastly, why do this? What do you get out of the experience? Um, why do I do this? Uh, that's a hard question. <laughs> um, I would never come to a place like this if I wasn't a rock climber. Like, it, it's unreal. It's just like, it's like, I don't know, it's just, you work hard and you, every day you're so focused on the moment of what you're doing and then you're in this place that's like, we're in Mount Rima in the middle of the jungle right now. It's like insane. It's like the oldest rock in the world. So maybe, and yeah, I don't know. It's just like amazing being here. Yeah. I expected to go into a foreign land uh, and find new things and strange experiences um, and try and climb this thing that's been a dream of mine for decades. And pretty much that's what happened. We've come into this incredible environment way out in the bush you know even the locals don't come out here for this long very often and we've looked after ourselves and we've looked after each other and we've had everything that we needed in the right place at the right time to do what we wanted to do uh, and it's a really fulfilling experience to see that through right from the start right to all being up here together now to share it with edward and troy as well is really special i've done a lot of these trips now and it ends up being the same old scene in a different environment, but bringing that element in so close has really connected us more to Mount Roraima and to this Amerindian land. It's, it's a special place. They've really looked after it. They, there's no mining on these guys' land. It's, uh, that's why this forest for a week's walk. Um, it's been an amazing experience. It's not over yet. We still need to get out of here but this is something we can't control. Sooner or later, we'll get out of here. And yeah, thank you to everyone for such a wonderful experience. You, you just got to take the weather on the chin, <laughs> Lake District style. <laughs> Mount Roraima, 2019, what a trip, incredible. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit theadventurepodcast.co.uk. The podcast is hosted by Matt Pycroft and produced by Pip Saunders and Tom Carr Griffin. The podcast is also produced in association with Sidetrack Magazine and Kendall Mountain Festival, and we've got some ace announcements to make in the new year about both of those partners. And as ever, if you'd like to get in touch, then you can contact us at info at theadventurepodcast.co.uk or send us a direct message on Instagram.